To answer your question, I was a horrible student in grade nine. I passed English, gym, and French, and that's because I was dating a French girl. But my teacher at the time was like, at the rate that you're going right now, you're not gonna graduate high school, you're gonna be a loser. She bet me $50 that I wouldn't be able to graduate with my class on time. So was this like a, I wanna spur this kid on, or was it like, you're not gonna do it, I'll bet you 50 bucks, you're an idiot. I'm curious the end of the story, did, did she pay up? She, she didn't. didn't. She no, didn't. that was the thing, she Ms. did not. Oh she was goodness. just, Ashamed Ugh, of yourself. I know. Welcome to another episode of Efficient by Design podcast. Uh, today we have my brother Brad co-hosting with me, and we have Mark Rayson. Uh, with Remarkable Works and IG is how you may know him, and you've done some. IGTV stuff. You have a variety of mm -hmm. things you've been involved in. So um, Mark has uh, got a tool belt from us years ago, and we've kind of had parallel running growth to our social media platforms. Mm. Um, you've become quite the videographer and, and video builder, as Brad has in his realm as well. Um, so if we kind of start back like with how we got in touch originally, yeah. what is your recollection of, uh, of that connection? So I had a dreaded nylon tool belt just off the shelf that I had bastardized, if you can say that, uh, <laughs> kind of MacGyvered. Um, and I remember doing a video on it where I had like, I wanted the speed square slot to sit flat. Like just, mm. I just wanted it to sit nice and flat and you can't find a pocket like that anywhere off the shelf in the big box stores. So I had cut like a, slit in the back of it so that it could sit mm. flush and i think someone on that video was like oh you should check out and tagged you in it and at that time mm. i don't even think you were you had been doing it for other people you were just doing it for barely maybe yeah. for your crew because you this, were still framing this four years ago guy don't ask me about time i am the worst a long time ago anyway okay um so i remember <clears throat> kind of I, first of all, I geek out over gear, tools, like anything to do with making my life easier. I'm all about it. Mm -hmm. So when I had this tool belt, I was like making this huge rig. And I remember being on my front lawn and telling my wife to film like this panoramic view of this tool belt that I was so proud of. And it just looks like a dog's breakfast. Like you look at that footage now and you're like, well, that, <laughs> this is awful. And it's like, it looks so stupid. And I remember when I found your page, I was like, oh my God, I love the cleanliness of this. I love, like, I love how sleek it is. And what I liked the most was that it was coming from someone with a trades background. So you had the design, it, sorry, the design was kind of focused as like, again, efficiency with the forefront and trying to make it, make your life easier. So you knew that both bags can't be the exact same just on different sides of your you know, um, hip because different tools go there and like m most people are predominant with one hand. So it's very much like a really good workflow condensed down into this tiny kit. So I remember talking to my wife about it and I was like, all I want for my birthday is a tool belt. And she was like, you have a tool belt. I was like, no, I don't have this tool belt. And then I'm like pricing it out and I'm doing, and I made, I think I made like a little video on like me, like the purchase of the actual tool belt. And I think that was the first time. And I'm only saying that because I, 
I kind of went through our our little memoirs on okay. Instagram. So I think yeah. that was the first time that we spoke. I bought this tool belt, but I had so many questions. And you were just you just made yourself available to be like, hey, this is what you want and this is what you, you know, you should have or or whatever. We kind of talked. And then I remember I got the tool belt. I bought it while we were I was shooting a show and um your store opened on like a Wednesday morning or something for me. And I'm three hours ahead of you being in Toronto. So I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm like head of construction. I'm the only one on the tools for this TV show. And I like walk into the bathroom and I'm on there for like 20 minutes trying to buy this tool belt. <laughs> Probably pretty normal though. No, hundred percent. So it was like, it was totally on brand. Everything went really good. Um, and I forgot to buy suspenders. So then I remember reaching out and I was like, hey, like, blah, 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 whatever. And my wife is like, I'm going to buy you the suspenders. So then like the first month I got my tool belt and then I had to wait another month to get my suspenders. I had my kit. Everything was great. But again, I had that theory of like, I wanted to load as much shit into this tool belt. Can I say shit? Well, I was just going to say, because you ordered online, you made a shit purchase. Yeah. That's what's been in my head for the last 10 seconds. So yeah. yes, go ahead. Um, and if I'm talking too much, you guys just let me know because this is like a, <laughs> we're here a whole word salad. But um, I I basically bought the tool belt and I, I wanted it to be as versatile as possible without thinking about majority of my work is interior finish work. And I've got, I bought it kind of like going into framing. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to need this for nails. And, and I do a lot of decks as well. So the bags were like a bit bulkier for when you got brand new cabinets and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy now a bag to go on the one side to kind of like condense down the kit. So in the warmer months, I'll have this set of bags and then the other months I'll have this set of bags. And then we hopped on a Zoom call because I think you're like, yo, this guy's buying tool belts like crazy over here. How many belts do you need? Um, and then we had that conversation and I remember I was like, I want to clip in a certain spot. And you're like, no, don't do that. Remember that? Yeah. And I was like, no, I think it could work. I think it could work. And you're like, well, this is why we haven't done it. And I was like, can we just do it for me, please? And then you're like, okay. I think you reluctantly said yes. Yep. Because I, I will deal with lots of customers where they'll make a request. And I'll be like, just like I mentioned to you, like I, I haven't done that for these reasons. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if this is what you want, yeah. then yep, we'll, we'll, take, we'll, we'll make that happen. Um, so we, we, we do kind of give recommendations when people make requests mm -hmm. but at the end of the day you know, when push comes push comes to shove unless it's something completely outrageous that i have to just say no to mm -hmm. like sure yeah we'll we'll give it a go and you can experience for yourself maybe you can feel a way to make it work yeah so where did you want this clip where was this special spot it's just right on my hip like whoosh, you know what i mean like whoosh. so um, on the belt like on the actual yeah not on a bag not on it was actually up high on the belt so you replace the bit index Yep. With a clip. So I think we went okay. with a two bit and then a clip mm -hmm. yep. because on my MacGyver tool belt, that's where I had my, my tape. Mm -hmm. So originally I took a front worn and I turned it around and I had my tool belt or sorry, I had my uh, tape measure over my butt. And then uh, as you get older and lazier and things don't move as agile, I noticed reaching around mm. your body for the most used tool wasn't really yep. an efficient use of time. Um, so I changed it and then it, I got so used to it that I, that, that was one of the things that I had found because on the original setup that I had, I put the clip on the outer bag with thinking that I'll be able to have the tool belt. And it was just a little bit 
lower and it just didn't kind of flow as well. And I remember when um, when Luke sent me that and he put my tree on the bag and everything and I was like, I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so anyways, I, I get this kit and I'm like a junkie for creativity. I love the challenge of coming up with an idea and bringing that idea to life. So uh, I started... Um, a YouTube channel and I was like okay what am I into and very much trades kind of specific but I've got two young kids I got a family I don't have time to film a whole entire build or like even bring the cameras out on a job site to be like hey guys can you just mindful of my shot right now please Um, so then I was like I didn't want to get into tool reviews or whatever so I just kind of like started filming the things that I was interested in and if you go back and watch the first tool belt like what's in my tool belt thing on YouTube it was the most awful piece of cinema that you'll ever see in your life (laughs) but it did really well and then i found that like a lot i don't know how it did for sales or anything on on the back end of it but for me so many people had the same kind of uh mindset that i had in terms of like it's just refreshing to have a belt or a system that is designed with um you know the actual usage of the tools in mind versus like okay let's just put slap some bags together and i'm not like i'm not here to talk smack about anybody's bags Mm -hmm. or pump your tires at all luke um i just want i that's just what i was attracted to or why i was attracted to it because it was the first time that i had kind of walked in and be like okay i could put i could put my thing here i could put my angle finder there i could do and like the customization for my needs mm-hmm. it was the first time that we checked off all the boxes so that first video that you're talking about with the amazing cinema is that, was that with luke's belt yep and is that was that one of the first videos that you did online kind of thing or is that w- like way down the road I, I think so no i think it was like um it was like the first time where i would like i wrote out a script Oh, really? And I was like, I'm going to go out into the garage and try and film this while my kids are screaming and my wife is yelling yeah. at them to like be quiet. And I'm just like, is it really helping me here? Um, the lighting is You had awful. a Timmy's. Yeah. And I put the Timmy's in the, right. in the thing. I always I try to bring like a little bit of humor to it. Yeah. I get a lot of flack for that sort of stuff. Um, but it is the most, it's the thing I get complimented on the most. And I mm. get like the belt. And I don't know if you get that feedback a lot, but even when I wear it, uh, out on a job site or I, I've been in the like people's driveways of clients just working and people are like that's a real nice tool belt like you must know what you look like you know what you're doing and I'm like, well, not really but you know fake it till you make it I guess mm-hmm. uh, but it, it that to me I was like okay there's a lot of interest here and then I got that the uh, additional set of bags um, and I had just be uh, I've been working on finishing my own basement. So I was like, okay, you know, let's give it a good run and we'll, we'll kind of go through uh, a little bit more now that I kind of have a better way, uh, understanding of storytelling and and working a camera and, and just different things. Um, I put together another video and that was the one where I kind of like sneaked down into the basement. I got this like new package and I was like, I played, it was the first time I introduced like two characters, me playing both of them. You have glasses on in one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. And it was like a a really funny, like just a quirky little bit that I did. And um, it also led to a very interesting conversation with my wife, which we can get into in a little bit if you want. But it was, uh, it was for me, it was just fun. And, and, um, you know, I wanted to try and help 
Luke as much as I could being on the other side of the country and you were just starting out your own business and that sort of things. And we were getting close to Christmas. I think it was last year, the year before. Um, so I was like, I want to get this video out in November so that we can have, uh, you know, we could drive it for you know, whatever sales and stuff because, um, over the years, Luke has been become like a good kind of resource and friend. I, I happy to consider you a friend. Um, where you can reach out to and just kind of like get opinions on and, and all sorts of different stuff. And I love watching good things happen to good people. So the growth of Acubus has been phenomenal. And um, I think what ultimately did it for me was you almost getting robbed here at the new shop and then not beating up those people that tried to rob you. I was like, he's a different breed of human because I would have <laughs> went full blown Jumanji on that guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Okay, so in regards to like our interactions, getting to know each other a little bit, that lays that out a bit. Now you mentioned you're from the other side of the country. Mm. So some background just for for you, kind of a, give us a snapshot of where you're from and what you do there. So mm -hmm. you've got two young kids, um, and like when did you kind of get into the into the trades? Uh, I've uh, I kind of uh, fell upon it. I've always been building as I'm not going to say a hobby. So my uncle had a business he was a teacher um well sorry he was a, a custodian at a school and he had like summer months and stuff so to fill his summers up growing up he was a fence and deck builder and i loved it hated digging holes and that's what i did for digging large, is the worst like, job large part of it. it's like the worst but that's what you get started like you go to any construction like yeah. you are on hole digging it's you're carrying that thing over here but you sound like as a young when you're full of like piss and vinegar as a, as like yeah. a kid. Yeah. You're like okay, I need, okay, I want you to dig this hole. You're like I can dig a hole. Yeah. No problem. I've been digging since I was like two years old. No yeah. problem. And then they give you the clam clamps, and you're like, what the hell is this? this That's is, right. What is this? Uh, the postal they're dull. Yeah. They're like the, the, you hit it in, and it just vibrates yeah. through your soul. You're like absolutely yeah. not. Am I digging with this? Yeah. And you're like. This is not a sandbox. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, there's, like the, there's the movie digging. Yeah. People digging a grave or whatever. And, movie, yeah. and they're just like yeah. shovelfuls. Yeah. Then you have the next scene eclipses like, you know, seven foot deep, perfectly yeah. square hole. I'm like, have you ever dug a hole? Really? Yeah. That It was an excavator <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. We had, I don't know if you were with me when we, there was a guy, a new guy who was super keen. I don't know if it was even Nick that's in the shop here where we're like, he was so keen and up for whatever task we gave him. Uh, he showed up in the morning, what do you want me to do? I'm like, uh, we need you to dig a two foot deep trench across the driveway here from there to here. And he's like, okay, where's the shovel? And we were just like, no, we're we're joking. Like, was, oh, yeah. okay. But he was just like up for whatever yeah. needed to and be done. And he would have done it if, if you actually needed I bet needed you he's that. super successful right now. Yeah. Oh. I bet yeah. you he it was, is. It was, it was shocking. Okay, so anyway, so you're, you're having to dig holes for, for fences. Yeah, and then um, I learned that really early that I don't like hole digging. I don't like concrete work, but I love sawdust i love building things i love the ability to like basically do what luke has been doing f with me for the last 12 and a half hours of driving around me like i built that i built mm -hmm. that i built that um and i'm also like i'm just learning this as i kind of i think i was like probably my 30s when i figured out how creative i actually am mm -hmm. because i never really gave it much uh attention growing up was like that kind of creative juices. But when you, when you actually kind of like look back in hindsight, you're like, no, nah, like that was kind of, that was like a special type of person to like make your own hat because you wanted like a specific logo mm -hmm. of like, you know, like I wanted it to look a certain way. And like, 
you know, it costs a fortune to go and do it that way. But like, that's my hat. There's only one of them. I made it. And when you get compliments on it, you're like, no, you can't. No, you can't. This is my hat. My hat. <laughs> well, you got you guys, I find, are kind of like brothers from another mother in a sense that the stuff that you've talked about mm. are very similar to things that you did. Mm-hmm. I remember in high school and, and yeah. years after. And you've become super crafty and into all kinds of yeah. building and projects. And you never did that as a kid. No, like, but similar to you, I would say I probably thought that there was a creative side. and But before I started building with Luke, I didn't have the ability to really create stuff with my mm-hmm. hands. And so after doing that for years with Luke, I think all of a sudden I realized, oh, this isn't just for building other people's houses and making money. Like I can, I can, man, there's so many options, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I remember in high school, this is- Did isn't, you sew a patch on a hat too? You made your own hat. I, I was going to say, just, sorry. Oh, this is awful actually. So when Tommy Hilfiger was like the thing oh, okay. back in the day, like I, this is like in the <laughs> mid, late nineties or something like that. I remember like- I got this. So, you know, at uh, Superstore, if you buy enough, this is back in the day, if you would buy enough groceries, you'd get like a free item. And I remember my dad got like this free, like red rain jacket from, he's like, yeah, we bought $300 worth of groceries and they gave us this free. And I'm like, that's oh, kind of a lame jacket, but it's got the, the red Tommy Hilfiger color. And I'm like, I wonder if I took one of my old Tommy Hilfiger shirts that I got from Valley Village, cut the tags off, if I could put them over the PC yeah. President's Choice logo. I went to school and people were like, dude, where did you get that jacket? And I just didn't say anything. I was selling like labels and then that became this thing. I'm like, I can like, I don't even have to, you know, pay the money. And I I ended up selling that jacket to some kid who still probably thinks it's like this like legit Tommy Hilfiger jacket. Bootleg and Tommy Hilfiger. That's why he doesn't like us. Okay. So you made your own hat? hat? Yes. In high school, very much the same. And But for me, it was our high school logo. I wanted, so we were... I don't like the Patriots now, but we were called the Patriots back in the day. And we had like this, uh, whatever logo. And uh, I remember being like, I was like, I just wish like our school had hats and, like I, for whatever reason. And I went and I cut off one of the embroidered track pants that we had. And I stole my grandmother's sewing kit. And I'm like here just pricking my fingers, trying to get this thing. And I <laughs> stitched this hat together and I wore it to school and everybody's like, where did you get that? Where did you get that? Can I have one? I was like, absolutely not because I worked at Tim Hortons and I can't afford to buy hats off of whatever. But I've always like, again, looking back as an adult, I've always had an idea and executed. Hmm. And for me, that's what the, the trades kind of gave me that uh, ability to, um, I call it solutionize but you're problem solving every single day. So yeah. to answer your original question, I'm a, I'm a Finnish carpenter by trade. Um, I have, like DNA is a super weird thing. My dad's very like techie and very much a computer orientated person. And everyone else on my mom's side, they were all carpenters. Mm. And I didn't know that until I kind of got that, that bug. Um, and for me, you walk into a space and you're like, this is all sorts of a situation. How do we make this look appealing? Um, Luke's kitchen is a perfect example of that with like the cupboards all over the place and like coming up with different, you know, ways to, to make things look proper. Mm. Uh, I just, I just have such a, such a passion for problem solving and, and, um, the trades were a perfect outlet for that. So was that something that happened? Like, like you said, not until your thirties. So like, when you were in school, high school, was 
was that kind of something that started to develop there? Like, were you a good student? Were you a no. sporty guy? Were you like a, like, what was, what was that? I was like, not the worst player on the sports, but not like a starter. Yep. Just enough to like kind of fit in. I've always been a bit of like a loner. I love my alone time. This is like the Scorpio in me. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I liked the idea of playing sports. I'm just, I've always been kind of active. Um, but I was never really, I was never really, I wouldn't consider myself creative until you start having these conversations and you look back. I was in the drama club. I joined that club to get out of going to mass. I went to a high school and mm -hmm. then we always had like the drama club had their like rehearsals because we had to sing in the thing mm -hmm. um, and we didn't have to go to mass. So I was like, mm -hmm. sign me up for that class. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. I loved the idea of being able to express certain things and uh, making people laugh. And, and I really have always, always, always loved the art of storytelling. Um, and I used to write because like I'm a product of I'm an 80s baby. So we didn't have the internet growing up. So I used to, you know, write short stories and like actual pen on paper type of um, thing. So I... To answer your question, I was a horrible student in grade nine. I passed English, gym, and French, and that's because I was dating a French girl at the time. So I <laughs> kind of like snuck my assignments and everything to her, and she kind of completed it for me. Brilliant. It was great until my English teacher, I wrote a story which my mom still had the story, and I read it recently, and it's so bad. It was, it was so awful. But my teacher at the time was like, this is amazing. And we wanted to put it into some competition. I was like, no, I don't want to get made fun of. Like, I've got five brothers. That's the last thing I want right now. And she's like, you, you are so bright and you're just squandering it away because like for whatever reason. And it was the very first time that I had like a, a grown up conversation at a younger age. And she was like, at the rate that you're going right now, you're not going to graduate high school and you're going to be, you know, on the streets or the loser was the term that they used back then, but you're going to be a loser. And uh, I was like, okay, whatever. What do you know, Miss Bikessi, if you're listening to this? <laughs> she bet me $50 that I wouldn't be able to graduate with my class on time, which meant I could not fail a single class from 10, 11, 12. I had to do night school and summer school for the rest of my high school education. So she bet me 50 bucks and I'm like, 13 years old at the time, 50 bucks was a lot of money. And I was like, deal. So I worked 20 hours a week at Tim Hortons. I went to night school, went to summer school, and I did all of that to try to avoid staying at home because I didn't like being at home. And I remember just this drive of being like, I'm going to, I'm not going to be this person. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. And then I just, like I said, my home environment wasn't the greatest. So I just wanted to work as much as I could and get out to get out of that situation. And for whatever reason, the word loser really scared me. And it was that kind of motivation by fear that really sparked and lit the fire under my ass to be like, okay, I need to do this. I wasn't like a honor roll student, very much pushing for that, you know, 60s past grade yep. kind of. So if I hit a 52, I was great. Mm -hmm. um, but my stubbornness early on kind of like sparked the whole, um, you know, you need to grow up and you need to grow up quick mm -hmm. kind of thing. 
because I had like, I was, I've always been great at building relationships and, 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 uh, communicating things. And I remember my grade nine geography teacher was like, just pass the, t I don't want you here next year. <laughs> I faked yeah. a seizure in her class to get out of writing a test. Wow. I like flipped the desk up and everything. And she was like, she thought it was hilarious. She's like, I can't laugh in front of all these people. So she was like, held me for detention. She's like, I'm going to give you your exam, bring it home, write the exam and bring it back to me. I'm here in like whatever they had to do classes in the middle of summer. She's like, bring it back to me and I'll pass you. I just don't want you in my class next mm -hmm. year. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'll take, I'll take geography again. I ended up doing it in night school, so I didn't have to go back into her class. But I like, yeah, I was just such a dumb, stupid kid as we all, we all are. But I didn't really have like the push from my parents or like that kind of like that role model type ask um until i very much had a conversation with my grandmother one time and i was like my stupid english teacher bet me 50 bucks that i won't be able to graduate my class and she she challenged me for the first time and was like how did that make you feel and it was like the first time that an adult kind of like heard me mm. you know and like it wasn't like a, oh yeah well you know if you work real hard and like gave me that kind of bs advice it was more so like how did that make you feel and what are you going to do about it? And it was like, put the onus back on me to really force me to think of these solutions and how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to do this. So it's so, crazy at 13 years old that that's when it started. Like I, I have a 13 year old daughter. I mean, that's, that's grade eight. Like that's a, that's mm -hmm. really young to be, have that weight put on you, you know, and yet it pushed, I'm, I'm curious did Mrs. What's her name? Did she? Uh, Bekesi. Bekesi. So was this like a, I want to spur this kid on, or was it like you're not going to do it? I'll bet you fifty bucks you're an idiot. And so what was her intention there? And I, I'm 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 curious. The end of the story. Did did she pay up? She did didn't. Did, did, she no, didn't. that was the thing. She Ms. did Bekesi. not. Oh she was goodness. just ashamed uh, of yourself. I know, sure. and that's kind of the that's the real knee slapper in the whole thing was because I did all of this, and there's two lessons in it, right? Is sometimes, yeah. sometimes you don't get the reward, even though you put the hard work in, you don't get the reward. Yeah. Um, and other times, you know, looking back on it, I'm sure money was tight for her at the mm -hmm. time and, and she probably didn't have the funds to pay, but she, she ultimately changed my life in a way that like mm. teachers, I think good mm -hmm. teachers strive to. Um, so positive. So there is, you do look back on her, there is a positive aspect there for sure. I always look back on it. I, I, like I'm a huge, huge, huge believer in everything happening for a reason. Sure. Um, it, Luke and I briefly talked on like like religion and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like I was I was kind of I was raised in with Catholic beliefs, but I I don't have a the great relationship with mm -hmm. a God if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. um, but I. Every single time, again, this is from like really early on that, that kind of quote unquote losers mentality of not taking the lessons out of situations. So anytime anything negative has happened in my life, I'm just always like there, mm. something's going to come out of this. Something's going to come out of this. I'm like, it's, it's, I have to go through this right now. Sure. And that's, what's kind of gotten me through the last kind of two years of, of hardship that I've, I've kind of gone through. So you, you obviously kind of, through those times and experiences, became quite self-reliant and driven yeah. to like, to see a product, to kind of set your mind to something and follow it through and know that 
you're not getting any free handouts. This is going to just take hard work. Mm-hmm. And that's where, I mean, the trades is, I, I find it, it's a, a career that it feeds that so well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing I know we've talked about, like the thought of showing up on a job site in the morning with the, you know, the dance floor is done mm-hmm. and your pile of lumber there. And by the end of the day, you got exterior walls standing and you have mm-hmm. the sense of satisfaction of the day, like that cause and effect reward is substantial. Mm-hmm. So I think that the trades is a, a really good outlet for that because it's so gratifying because you have something to show for your work mm-hmm. that you've put in. Um, and then applying that to like, you know, your own personal development and growth and education and like just kind of pushing things forward and investing and things progressing. Um, one of, so one of my things growing up was I had, like I, like I said, my, my grandmother's ecosystem were all tradesmen. And these are things that I didn't learn until later on. Um, uh, majority of them were carpenters. But my dad had such a poor opinion of a tradesperson growing up that it was like almost offensive to him. Mm. No pun intended because I built fences with my uncle. But um, if I told him that I had gone to work with my uncle, he thought technology was the way of the future. Computers are the only outsource. The trades are going to be overpopulated and you were basically a moron if you worked in the trades. And for a long time, I was, I didn't think that I was the type of person that belonged in the trades. And I've always had respect and admiration for people that worked with their hands. And so getting into the trades later in life, I wasn't one of those people that was like, oh, you know, I was a bad student and I, I just got into the trades and I, like, I, I pushed forward and did all these things. I was navigated to go to school, but I, I just didn't, I didn't like school. I didn't like the, the um, doctrine of like, you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this. I was like, I, and that's what made me such a bad student because I would challenge those things. Like, there has to be another way. This can't be the only way. And to go to your point, like, when you're building houses and stuff, that's what I like about it is you, the system is in place, but the process could change just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And every single build is completely different, but the systems are there, the, the, the tools, the setup, the, the everything is there to make your work efficient. Mm-hmm. But there's problem solving. There's every single, you know, house is different or, or whatever is, yeah. is, is not ideal. Like, um, so for me, I think when I kind of got over that and I, I found people that were more like-minded that were tradespeople, I was like, this could be, this could be a thing. So I went out and I, I tried to start it on my own and I'm not afraid of hard work. And I, I like, I, you did that whole hustle thing. And I remember working, I'd be working until like 10, 11 o'clock at night, like trying to, you know, when you're first starting out, like um, in clients' houses and stuff like that. And then, Again, ask constantly asking that question. There has to be a better way. I love working in the trades, but like I just like I'm so slow at this. It's unbelievable mm-hmm. because my quality was like my attention to detail is not something that I'm willing to waver on. But I'm also not afraid to reach out and ask those dumb questions. So I would reach out to people, and and I'm I'm forever grateful for Instagram for kind of opening me up to the world and and resources and and just other like minded individuals, but. I reached out to people. I remember there was a trades person that I really, really admire. And he had just bought a new house and he needed help moving. 
So he was like, I need somebody to come help me move this fridge. But he kind of said in like a joking manner. I was like, I will be there at six o'clock in the morning to help you move that fridge if you want. And very similar to what you were saying was like, like for real? Like, are you serious about this? And I was probably like 22. That's something like a 16 year old you want from like a 16 year old. Right. <clears throat> and at the time I was working in, in the corporate world and I just started doing it. I like, he kind of took me under his wing and he, he taught me like a whole bunch of different stuff and our personalities kind of clashed a little bit, but I was willing to like learn because I wanted, I just wanted to know how to do these things to be self-sufficient when you got into your own house and everything. And then when I got let go from my, um, uh, corporate job, that's when the wheel started turning. It was like, I did everything. I was a top performer. I did everything that you were supposed to do and gave up time, energy, and curse words for this company. And they just said, thanks, but no thanks mm. at the end of the day. And it was all because I, I just didn't get along with my boss and he bought me out of my contract from his own bonus structure. Mm. And when I realized that like, okay, these, these companies, they, it's, it's all political. And if you don't get along with one person, they can completely change your, your forefront of it. And it was two weeks before Christmas, 2016. And then um, I was like, you know what? We're, we're going to be fine. We're going to be okay. The next day, I built a mantle for somebody, like my neighbor, and made that, that kind of transaction. And I was like, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can sell. I've got an eye for attention. It just it's going to cost me a little bit because I'm, I'm not as fast as the majority of the people. Um, and then sure enough, you, you do enough of those word of mouth, reputation, all sorts of things. You start getting the thing. Um, you build up a clientele. Now for me, what ended up happening again is we ended up, sorry. So in 2016, I lost my job. Um, I do the mantle and then I built a table for somebody and then, a week after New Year's in 2017, we find out we're going to have our first child. And I was like, I'd never been more scared in my entire life. I don't have a job. I don't know what I'm going to do. My wife and I are in our first home. Um, and I had a meeting with the boss of the guy who fired me. And he wanted to hire me back into the corporate world. And I was like, this is a situation I got a mortgage pay, I got a kid on the way, like I'll do whatever I have to do. And he was like, I took the meeting to hear what you were gonna say, that's the wrong answer. You need to believe in yourself. You need to take all the drive and ambition that you've done to kind of make you successful under our umbrella and do that for yourself. Wow. And that's what I did. It was a super powerful meeting in the middle of this shitty mall in Southern Ontario with crappy coffee. And completely just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I, t I read a ton of books, listen to all these podcasts on like how to be successful. And for me, it was just, you have to, you, if you're not sleeping, you're working. If you're not sleeping, you're working. And then we have our daughter and, um, daughter is sick. She's in the hospital for the first two weeks of her life. And that was kind of where I was like, okay, like now I have a responsibility, different responsibility now. Um, and it's just this weird navigation of um, trying to balance starting a new business, running your business, 
treating that as your own child, but then also being responsible for, you know, the livelihood of, of other individuals. And um, when, my, when my wife and I got out of that situation, my wife was very much like, uh, she was a bartender at the time. She's like, I don't want to have to go back to work. I don't want to have to go back to work. And at three months of my daughter being born, my wife had to go back to work. Mm. And that pressure put so much, I, I don't even think I've told her about this, but that she didn't do it intentionally saying like she had to go back to work, but I just felt like I had robbed her of that time she had with her child. We didn't look at it at the time. It was like, oh, I'm grateful that like I get to spend this time with my daughter and build this bond with my daughter that most fathers don't get to do. Um, but we eventually had a conversation where she's like, I want to stay home. I said, well, if you want to stay home, then there's the only one way to make that happen is I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to have to work more. Um, and at the time I had been offered, <clears throat> so I got offered to, to be a part of a TV show in the States. They called and they were redoing, this was in 2018, I think. They called and they asked me if they were doing a remake of the Move That Bus show. What's the, what's the family? No. Um, right. Extreme Home Makeover. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So there's a designer, a carpenter, and then the, the host. And the host was the, no pun intended, but the, the, I don't know how to say this without offending you. I don't know you very well. The redhead from Modern Family. Come on. Uh, <laughs> you can, again, I got Fire Crotch. I got... <laughs> Carrot so I was gonna I got, say I red, was gonna say fire crotch, and then I looked over and I was like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Don't say it! Don't say it! Don't say it!" <laughs> oh no, that's all good. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, so, anyways, I get this call from the producer and like, "Hey, we we saw your Instagram stuff. We really like your personality. Think you'd be a great fit. Um, we'd like to offer this to you." And then I tell my wife, and my wife's like, "Oh my god, this is like they don't just offer positions. Like you normally have to do castings and you got to do these different things." And I was like, "Okay, so like I think I should do it." Have the call with him. He's like, great. We'd love it. We're going to even work with you to get the visa down here. You have to be in California for, uh, I think it was 10 weeks. And I would have missed my daughter's first birthday. So the timing might be off there a little bit. But I would have missed my daughter's first birthday. The payment was like 100 and, 150000 US dollars. And I had just kind of like gotten my business to like where it was, I was doing okay in terms of like the bills were paid or whatever, but very much in a, in a realm of like, this isn't sustainable. I need to like, how am I going to grow? And this opportunity comes up and it was the first time where like I committed, but then I had to think about the ramifications of that commitment and go back to my wife and be like, what do you think about this? And like, this is going to put a lot of pressure, like new mom, Brand new first time baby who had like complications. She was born six weeks premature and she was like four and a half pounds. Um, and so my wife, this is 100% why I, I chose the right life partner for me. She's like, I'm going to do whatever you want. Like we'll figure it out. But like if this is something that you genuinely want, then we will make it work. And I really, really thought about it. And I was like, if it's meant to be, it'll be, but I can't not be there for my kid. Mm -hmm. And I had offered, I was like, I can't do this. I'm really sorry. But like, is there a way that my family can come down? 
they're like, nope, we build for seven days. We build for six days straight nonstop. And then we do the reveal on the, on the sixth day, the seventh day is travel. And we got 10 episodes booked. So you're on the road. There's zero time for family. So how long is this? So you're saying goodbye to family potentially for how long? <clears throat> 10 weeks Wow. with a newborn yeah. first newborn. And did um, you have employees that would did, no, I was on your own. At this I was time? on my own and I was basically, I had it set up where I worked a ton prior to, um, the baby being born. And then I was going to give myself a month off. So I kind of like had my nest yeah. egg there. And then I had found these individuals, uh, that had a construction company that were really eager to like work with. They wanted like a finished carpenter basically to kind of uh, sub out their stuff, which meant I didn't have to do sales. I didn't have to do uh, find work. I didn't have to do any of the admin stuff that I hated doing. I didn't have to do in my personal time. I could just be in dad mode. Uh, I just basically said like, what time do you want me there? Does this like time work for you? And then I just invoiced them. This is my pricing. They were all fine with it. And when I found them, it was... Um, like finding family that like they're still my best friends to this day. Um, we still find ways that we get to work together. We have a podcast called the real dad podcast. Um, shameless plug. Uh, but we, we talk about like the struggles of fatherhood and, and, you know, just have real conversations about like what it can mean to be a real good dad in particular. It's, it's interesting kind of hearing that, you know, that journey and, you know, like a few things came to mind. Like, I think when we, all of us grew up, I mean, Brad and I are a little bit older than you, but there was a bit of a stigma, I think, of the trades. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're not going to go to university and not going to get 100%. some degree or you're just going to be a tradesperson, a laborer. Mm -hmm. You know, like that was kind of the, the stigma of the time. Um, and then you still did have some people that were like, no, working with your hands, you know, it's super valuable. It's always mm -hmm. relevant. There was definitely some of that, but there was a bit of a stigma to, to being a, a, just Blue a tradesperson, yeah. you know, and like, you know, our extended, a lot of our extended family cousins are like super highly educated, you know, very, very successful. And so we, we kind of, in some ways feel like the black sheep of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's at the same time, it's turned out we've enjoyed it. It's been positive, but hearing your story and all of those heavy, heavy decisions to try and make and bounce things out, um, there's a huge amount of stress and anxiety that comes with that. And as a, as a man trying to provide for your family, trying to find those boundaries of like, how do, how do I work as, as much as I need to work to provide for us? How do I engage with my wife? How to be a dad? How do I not be an ass to the people that I'm, I'm closely related to? Um, you know, your story of, of going through all that, you know, mine with my business and, and family and kids and Brad too, you know, he and I framed together for years. He had other endeavors and businesses and then, you know, building his own house. Like there's been, I think for all of us, which is not, unique to the three of us as, as tradespeople, um, there's been low, low times. There's been hard, difficult, challenging, depressing times of anxiety and stress and worry. Um, and that's incredibly prevalent yeah. in, the, in the trades. Yeah. You know, you're, you're combining, combining financial issues and marriage and difficult <clears throat> people you work with, with physical, manual, hard labor. You know, and the insecurities, a, right? So it's like yeah. being in the trades, you're, you're subjected to like a pretty harsh environment. Yep. In some cases, it can be pretty toxic. So, you know, there's, there's a real um, 
struggle of, you know, masculinity and like what that looks like. And some people, you know, aren't vulnerable enough to, or fortunate enough to have peer groups or, or like, you know, be able to express the struggles that they're going through. So they slip into, you know, certain types of substance abuses or, Mm -hmm. or other things. And, and then that ends up, um, becoming a ripple effect to the people in their ecosystem. Yeah. So like, I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, you know, look at me. I'm, I'm super like successful. Absolutely not. Like I, my, my mental health, you know, I, I touched on it briefly, like for the last two years has been garbage because it's not, it's, it's, it's a constant change. Like it's not like when you get, you know, you go out on your own and you figure these things out and like, okay, we, we finally have, you know, a, a decent income. I used to laugh all the time because you know it's not dead that the stigma around the trades. Like my my family, they're all they're all first responders. They make really good money, but they you know they have to work crazy overtime to make that good money. Mm-hmm. And they all thought that Robin and I were super poor. Like they were just like they would look and be like, you know, feel bad for us because I'm driving around in a in a twenty year old pickup truck and you know I can't go to the 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 dinners on the set or the lunches on Saturday afternoons. Cause I'm, you know, I'm trying to get caught up on my things, but they're all like, they're like, you know, if you need, if you guys need anything, you know, whatever. And they just like, they literally thought that we were poor. Meanwhile, my wife's not working. My, my two-year-olds in Montessori school, you know, I'm doing all these things, but they're not giving me that outlet of being like, are you okay? Or checking in to be like, are you, how are you doing? or even like creating that safe environment for me to unload the the pressures in a way where it doesn't seem like, Oh, poor Mark. It just, just a relatable sensible. Cause it's some, like nine times out of 10, a lot of tradespeople, all they need is a community where they can just like, their feelings are validated. They know that it's, it's, it's a struggle and they're not alone. Like that's, yeah. that's where I think a lot of times people are just like, they just like, no one understands. No one's going to get it. And if you're within that ecosystem, or or unfortunate, if it if it is an unfortunate, um, you know, situation where your spouse and you aren't on the same page or anything, you're like, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't. You don't understand. No one does. You know, it's like, imagine being in an environment where like you come from a corporate family, and you're the only one that loves to work in the trades, and you are making really good money, but people don't look at that as being successful. It's like, you know. If, if you're, if you're a part of a crew and your bills are paid and, and you've got a little bit left over at the end of the month and you're, you're happy with your family, what's wrong with that level of success? It's not, it's, it's, if you're in the trades, it's the first comment, it's like, how's business? Or, or, or you, who are you working for? Or but like, how long do you have to be in your apprenticeship until you can go out on your own? Like, these are the, com- like, these are the questions that people are asked and they don't understand there's a certain weight that kind of bring that puts on people when they, when they're forced to sit there and be like, you know, it just adds an insecurity to it. Like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I got four years until I can do, do my apprenticeship. Meanwhile, they don't, they're not even happy. They don't even want to do an apprenticeship to be, you know, whatever. and that's also what's, I think, and unfortunately our society is pushing so hard that you are what you do that like your absolutely your value is so wrapped up in the job that I have, the truck I drive, the clothes I wear, mm-hmm. the lady I'm with, all this stuff, right? And so it creates these just false there's these false false lifestyles, right? And then people through Instagram or Facebook, they can post the pictures of all this great stuff and they can create this life that they want people to think 
that's my life. That's who I am. This is, you know, and so many of these people are just hurting inside because they're not having real conversations, talking about their real problems. And, you know, like, and I, I actually, I got together with a couple of friends from high school. Um, you know, I graduated in 2000 and it's, it's crazy. I got together with two friends I hadn't seen in years and years and years. And I sat down, we had this great conversation, but I'm, I started telling them about my mental health process. Um, you know, and how I got depressed and there was huge anxiety and mm-hmm. I ended up going on medication and ended up going through counseling, all this kind of stuff. And it was like, they had never had a conversation with another man like that, you know, like I just put it all out there. And also by the end of the conversation, my other guy, one of my best friends from high school starts telling me about some of his stuff. Absolutely. And then the other guy starts telling me about his stuff and they had never even talked about it with each other. 100%. And all of a sudden here's three guys that, you know, you're almost in tears being like, we just had this most beautiful conversation and we were able to just like support each other. And, but like you said earlier, like it's so, so rare. Like people like when you, when I think of the friends that I have here and other guys in this room, like it is so rare to have other men to be able to have that conversation with, to be able to like talk about your struggles. And when you do have that, you realize you are so blessed, so fortunate to have those friends. And like, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, yeah. One of the most powerful things I think, and like I, I'm holding back tears now, but like one of the most powerful, uh, text messages I've ever had was with a good friend, Dave. Um, and he, he asked the question, like, how you doing? Mm. And then non, like it's built into us to be like, I'm good. How are you? And then you get the, you get to see the three dots and you get the, no, how are you really doing? And just, just being able to be like, dude, I'm not okay. I've got this. 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 And I know that he's got a bunch of stuff too. And he knows that I'm going to be okay. And he's like, but you also have me. You also have Robin. You also have, you know, whatever. And even being in a sense of being like, well, I don't think, I don't think Robin can handle, you know, what I'm going through. And Robin's my wife. Um, and then, you know, asking those simple questions. But have you, have you asked her? Because if not, like these life partners that we have, and if you suppress these things, you're almost robbing them of the opportunity to give what they vowed to give to you mm. when you got married or, or when you agreed to be life partners. And you, for whatever reason, you're just like, I don't think they can handle it. Now they can't, they can't. They, but when you break down, you're like, okay, you know what? Hey, like this, these are the things that I'm, I'm going through. I'm not trying to take away from anything from motherhood or, or what you're going through. These are the things. Some of the best conversations come from having that vulnerability and being able to like self audit what yeah. makes you tick and like what kind of brings you out of things because yeah. it's 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 poison living in a toxic and being like so self-righteous that everything every and we talked about this we, first of all luke made me hike some mountain this morning which i'm super grateful he did because the scenery is just top notch in british columbia um but we're walking down this mountain and 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 he was saying like you know these toxic people that are so self-righteous and being like, you know, I hate, I hate stupid people or I hate the, like, what's the common denominator, right? Like what's, it's you, it's your outlook. It's, and 
I think so many of us before, speaking for myself, we were raised in that environment of like you over those are the conversations that you overheard and like who knows what our parents had to go through, but and like they had their own kind of you know yeah. coping mechanisms, having parents that were in the war or, or affected by it. But again, like growing up, you're just kind of like the only way that you can truly be happy is if you have like a really, really good, honest conversation with yourself and you figure out like the systems that make you you and you voice that. And then when you're not kind of in line there, you have somebody that you can reach out to and say, I, I, need, I need some help. I need to get back on track. Like a, a big part of things I've been chewing on lately in like all facets of life and work and relationship is, is, is acknowledging that there's a point of balance yeah. to kind of find in all of those, all of those realms. You know, I don't want to go too far in either extreme. I want to kind of hold the truth and tension and kind of find this, this happy medium. Um, as far as being a tradesman, I mean, the stereotypical, stereotypical macho kind of tradesman mentality is like, you know, I'm, how are you? I'm good. Mm-hmm. Getting her done. Things yep. are fine. Just another day in paradise. Get her done. And, and there's a, and there's a, a, there's a value in that and that it's, you're, there's some mind over matter and that this is a hard job mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable and it hurts and I'm going to be tired and I'm like, but I'm not going to focus on that or I'm going to be just depressed all the time. I'm actually going to like try and find value in it and I'm going to be persistent and have self-discipline and I'm going to actually make the best of it, a hard mm-hmm. situation. So in doing that, you kind of like develop this resilience that un- enables you to do the hard thing that needs to be done. But it also can foster a stubbornness to not have the willingness to be vulnerable. And at the same time, I don't want to be overly vulnerable and to be super, you know, glom onto people and it's, everything <clears throat> always is mean. always hard. Yeah. It's so, how's it going? I'm so busy. Yeah. I'm so tired. You can go to the other extreme where yeah. you're like, I'm exhausted. I'm stressed. I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, I'm totally fine. Mm-hmm. I'm killing it. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard work and I'm kicking ass. Yeah. So trying to find this happy medium where I can acknowledge the reality of the difficulty and hardship. I can also see the value and keep my head down and getting the hard thing done. But then doing that in an environment where you have support and honesty. So there's, there's lots of times around, you know, my peers where those kind of questions come up. How you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. So like, how was like, you know, stuff with, with work and home? Like, mm-hmm. is that, has that been pretty smooth? Yeah. Well, actually, and then also yeah. now we're actually talking. Yeah, now we're actually barriers. communicating. There's yeah. like this this barrier that comes down, and then there's real discussion that takes mm-hmm. place. I mean, I find it fascinating too that you know this is something that I I I try to focus on in relationship on a general basis. I, I I'm an introvert. I don't like big social gatherings mm-hmm. with lots of people and and talking about the weather and stuff. Like I'd far rather just find one person and let's go sit in a corner somewhere and yeah. tell me about you. Tell yeah. me your what you're all about. So I, I really enjoy those intimate sort of situations um, versus that kind of walk around in a big room. People I hardly ever know, mm-hmm. that I hardly know and talk about nothing for yep. an hour. I'm like, I stress is deal. It makes me exhausted. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you're similar in some degrees because, <clears throat> you know, you flew in yesterday and basically from like noon till 8.30 last night, we hung out. Then we mm-hmm. hiked up Giant's Head Mountain here. And we have talked about- Did you like, guys hold hands? Almost. Almost. I recorded it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we had a talk, we talked about real life 
you know, real life. And, mm. and, and we're strangers for the most part. Yeah. And so that, that's, cool. that, that's so important, I think, to have that, that vulnerability and willingness to step beyond that, that kind of posturing of like, got it all together, it's all good and great, and actually step into real life and discuss the things that really, really matter. Um, and in the midst of those times too, acknowledge that we're different people, we're wired different, there's going to be similarities and differences, you're going to think the what you think for a reason, and I've got to respect that. I'm going to have my perspective for a reason. Hopefully you can respect that. And we can also then define those things and have discussion along the way and both learn something and both broaden our perspective versus becoming bitter, old, hardened tradesmen that are opinionated assholes. I 100% agree. The only thing I would add in there is the word comfort. I think a lot of times that's missing from the equation is a, is a form of being comfortable enough within some sort of environment um, again, I'm a big proponent on energy being real and you have, you know, you create this comfort that I know that I can confide in you and there's not going to be any judgment. And even if there was judgment, I don't care because I'm comfortable in myself to just let it out there. And for whatever reason, if what I'm saying resonates with you and, and then it's meant, then you're meant to hear that. And I think we're, we're aligned I think another example is something that I have struggled with um, earlier on, specifically again with my wife and coming back to what I had said earlier about it, uh, it led to an interesting conversation with her um, was I would typically, especially in humor, when we're talking about the tool belt and coming home, the whole, the whole bit was like trying to hide this purchase from my wife. And I showed her this bit and I was so proud of it in the, in the video. And <clears throat> she said to me, you know, you always make me look like the villain. Mm. <clears throat> and it really, really hurt because she's the furthest thing from the villain for me. Mm. And so for me, you know, I was like, I was just trying to do it to resonate with like other people. Right. And she was like, I know what you're doing but it's sad that other people have to live their life like with a person that they don't respect or that they don't, they don't have that comfort there. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, you mentioned like you go into the trades and you're, you're cold and you're tired and you like, you're just working in, you know, minus well in BC, you guys are spoiled with the weather, but like, I shouldn't say that from Ontario either. Alberta people are going to hear this and be like, <laughs> you don't know anything. But you know, you're outside, let's say you're doing siding or something, you're outside, you're working all day, 10, 12 hour days, you get home and your wife is, you know, overstimulated because she was home with the kids. And my first defense is like, you don't even know like what I just went through. Like, like, okay, like I would love to stay at home with the kids. And like, you get into this, like this comparison game, yeah. right? This like, I'm going to call it a dick measuring contest, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, anyways, we won't get into that, but <laughs> you get, you have this back and forth yeah. and it takes a really, really hard conversation to realize that like we, with your partner anyways, you're in this together, you know? And again, I'm on, I'm on a job site working with a bunch of old timers and they're all just like bragging about how their second or third wives are better than their firsts because they're more understanding that the job comes first. And I was like, I don't want to be you. Mm -hmm. I don't, I want to be nothing like you. 
I, I love my wife. I love my family. And I don't want to break that. I'm not willing to risk that because the job comes first. We're putting trim, like we're putting pieces of wood together, guys. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's sure it's important, but like when you're all said and done, you know, what are you going to look back on? That you could drive a nail in one swing? No offense, Luke. You know what I mean? But like the time it took you to learn that, you could have also, again, I'm just using that as an analogy, but like you could have made a lifelong memory for your kid mm -hmm. just by showing up to a soccer game or, or, or something, yeah. you know? And that's the struggle. It was, it was, I, it would be 438 and I was like, oh, I just need to trim out this one room and then I can be done. But then you've got, you know, pack up and clean up and all that stuff on top of it. So you're not getting home till seven, eight o'clock at night. And you're having these conversations, you're walking into a, an unknown situation because you don't know what it was like. But meanwhile, your wife just had to go through, you know, a whole day of being pulled in 17 different directions because being a stay at home parent is a lot of hard work, too. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not equal playing fields. You can't compare them because it's a different form of weight. It's but it's also like, I, I think that it's just as like, if not more so, <laughs> I found that like when when especially guys, unfortunately, come home after, you know, I've been working my ass off for this long yeah. and, you know, there should be a hot meal on the, mm -hmm. you know, like I've had the luxury, I, I would say, to be able to be a stay at home dad for 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 a good chunk of time. And my wife, like kind of we talked about education. She was a teacher like she's still mm -hmm. is a teacher. Right. And so I got to be at home with the kids. And so when I, when I come home and I see what it takes to raise, especially in those early years, when you have those young kids, I'm like, I would absolutely rather go swing a hammer with my buddies mm -hmm. and be doing that than have this job. Like it is mm -hmm. not just like a, like it's a legit job that the, the, the amount that, that moms go through that the car, that they don't go crazy. And a lot of them do, <clears throat> Yeah, you know, um, I think it's, I, I think we put them in a, a really unfortunate place that I don't think they deserve at all. Right. I think no, it's so you're, you're spot on. And the, and the stigma in the trades is just like, it's, you know, your role and this, that, and the other, and, you know, and you use, you use derogatory terms to kind of like put down each other. And it's, it's, it's a, been a really like the last couple of years for me has been a really big eye opener in terms of like how much struggle parenting is business ownership is like, and, and just life in general. And is that kind of what you said earlier, you, you mentioned kind of the last two years has been the hardest, you know, from uh, mental health. It, there's just been, it's been transitional for us. We've okay. gone from one kid to two. Sure. The, the, the second one was crazy sick in the first years of his life. I was working on uh, the, I was project management for uh, an HGTV show, which was like, super under budgeted and I, it was my first big opportunity. So like, I really wanted to make an impact. So now I'm leaving like my wife for 18 hours a day to focus on this quote unquote, like career move, leaving her with, you know, two young kids and not literally not taking her mental health or like even her time into consideration for my own selfish needs. Mm -hmm. And then on top of all of that, um, well, like we, we were in a, I was in a position where I lied to her and got caught about it. 
and there was a real opportunity like there was a real mm. conversation of like i thought my marriage was going to be over mm. and it really took it really really took me to take a step back and be like what like why did i like where did i how did i get here like mm. where where like what world did i feel like a i couldn't trust her in the thing because i wasn't doing anything wrong i just lied because i i knew that she was she had a lot on her plate and i didn't want her to like like overthink a, a certain situation. So I was like, you know, yeah. I'm like, oh no, it was something stupid. Like we were like, I, I, I shouldn't say stupid because it, it, it meant something, but uh, I don't want to go into like crazy details about it or whatever, but it was just basically, I said that I was alone and I wasn't alone. Nothing happened, but it was very much like on the back end of it. Mm -hmm. She was like, why would you lie about that? And I was like, I don't know. I wanted to spare your feelings. And I had to take ownership. I had to be embarrassed. And I was like, this is the last thing that I, I do not want to lose my family, especially mm -hmm. over this. I had to take a step back and then pivot and then have a real conversation of her being like, I don't want to be roommates with you. And if that's what it takes, then I'll get a job and we'll figure this yep. stuff out. So I, a part of me gets addicted to being overworked and, and struggle and, and coming up with solutions for things. So it's been very challenging for me to like actually have some breathing room and spare time and and having days where I'm like able to be the provider, like I shouldn't say provider, but like my wife is working and I'm at home with my son and it's mm -hmm. a Wednesday and I'm like, I should be doing a whole bunch of different things, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but again, I'm I'm trying to set my business up where I can kind of, I don't have to be on the tools every single day and I don't have to stress about like where our next meal is going to come from. Um, and, and so on top of all of that, we ended up moving, we sold our first house and we moved to a new house and, and it, we're like way far out of our comfort zone. Like we're both city convenience people. We moved to the country. We're on a well, I don't know how to live on a well, you know? Um, so it's all sorts of these different things um changing personally changing professionally trying to be a better spouse a better father a better communicator and i do like i have people that work on my team now so if you want to call them staff sure mm -hmm. um but it's a better you know provider and and again i'm i'm struggling with the biggest thing for me is is personal fitness i've always been a big component uh, or a big advocate of like your personal fitness it's just who has the time, you know, again, not throwing shade at Luke again, but while well, you're looking at me, like just, you're just the epitome of health or everything right. I want to be with the red hair and the crotch fire and all that stuff. <laughs> and the belly and stuff like that. That's all good. It's interesting though. Like I think just kind of, just while we're on the topic, I think when I, um, and we've touched on it a little bit, but when I built my house, um, and I was only able to do that really because, you know, I'd learned all this stuff from Luke and building all that kind of stuff. And I, I found that as I was building it, I, I basically came to a, a point where through the winter and through, uh, and I was doing this all by myself. So Luke would come down mm -hmm. and kind of help me like with the plans, no, here's this. And then would basically leave for a couple of weeks. I would do it. And so every day on my own in the winter time, moving tarps, snow, um, and I was enjoying it. I wasn't, I wasn't getting down, but then as I got through and started doing all the framing, I came to a place where, um, I was waking up in the morning and I just had this like feeling. I'm like, just something was off, mm -hmm. but I'd never had anxiety, never had a depression. I hadn't <clears throat> experienced anything like that. 
Um, and so what do you do? You talk to your friends, you talk to the people that support you. And the natural thing for them to do is like, you got this dude, just push through. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's fine. Um, and and I that's just them thinking that they're being supportive. Exactly. So yeah. it's not, I don't look at that and be like, you guys pushed me into yeah. this huge crash. Yeah. It's not that at all. Cause I would have said the same thing. Yep. I would have been like, yeah, you're close, you know, just slow down, whatever. Um, but that was my, the first signs of me, my body saying, Hey, you're not doing so well. You, you need to actually calm down. You need to chill. You need to take some time and, mm. you know, um, but I, I did, I pushed, pushed through and then it came to the point where my wife, you know, in the morning we'd get up, we'd have coffee. We'd had to start making lists mm -hmm. for me to, cause I was getting, my brain was starting to shut foggy, down even yeah. more foggy. And I'm, and it came to the point where, um, I was walking around my house with my tool belt on. I, I didn't even know what to do. There were so many jobs for mm -hmm. me to do by myself. And I'm, I'm like, I, I would walk to a corner, I'd grab a tool. I'm like, I'd put it down. I'd go over to another thing. I'm like, mm -hmm. should I start that? And my brain is just starting to scramble. Yeah. Right. And, um, and so I think for other people that come to that point, um, and it's not for everybody. I think sometimes I think that my, my situation, that's what every Luke can go way more than I can go. He can just like put his brain to the, and, and be fine. And sometimes I'm like, how have you not crashed after doing all this kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Not to say that he hasn't had his ups and downs too. I've seen it. And mm -hmm. I've, I, you know, all of a sudden, you know, him and I'll have a conversation I'm like, dude, you know are you okay? You know, and he'll have to slow down and he'll have to change his thing. But in the end I pushed and pushed until I had a, a, a breakdown, um, like just mentally inside. And I didn't even know it. I just thought I was going crazy. Like yeah. I literally thought, Oh, I'm going to be in the mental Institute for the rest of my life. And, and that just brought up all this stuff and, and I'm going to be right. It was yeah. just crazy. And then, so I took a few days off and then I went back up and I was working on the roof and I remember phoning Luke being like, I'm asking him how to like do simple things that I should know easily how to do. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't even put this piece of trim on. Like, how do I nail it? And that's when Luke was like, something's not right. Like, like mm -hmm. he knows this stuff, no problem. And then again, I was up on the roof and I had like a, just this overwhelming feeling, an anxiety attack. Again, I have no idea what an anxiety attack is. Mm -hmm. My body just goes into like this, I get off and I my wife and like something's going wrong i don't know what's happening my brain's like shutting down mm -hmm. um and then fast forward a bunch through a bunch of counseling a bunch of like i said medication seeing doctors changing up my routine becoming active and um and a lot of a lot of prayer from a lot of friends and a lot of support um and that's the beauty that i have of this of these friends that i have around me yeah. like like legitly i stopped at about drywall stage everything else was done and I had Luke guys in this, in this room, I had people from, you know, Andy Spear and his crew that just stepped in and finished my house. Like, awesome. like I, cause I was like, literally the doctors were like, you're done. My counselor was like, you have to stop mm -hmm. you, you're, you know, and I was fried for like a year and I slowly kind of like inched my way back into, into normal life again. But I had people that just came and just loved me in that way and just finished my house. And now I have this beautiful home, um, that I get to live in because of that network and that support. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting though, how some people look at that. Um, my wife and I were a little bit different where I saw these guys come in and I knew that they loved me. And I was like, I allowed them to do that. You said this earlier, you need to allow your friends and your wife and these people close to you to love you. But sometimes us as, as men and women, we'll, we'll do that. We're like, no, it's okay. I, I got it, you know, because we, we, 
feel like if we allow them to help us, that we've failed in some way, right? Mm -hmm. That we're, and that's a little bit more how my wife held it. She almost felt this guilt of having all these people come and and finish her health. It was like this, this, this guilty, like we've failed, we're not good <clears> enough. Um, and it was an interesting journey for her too, to come to this place too, where it's like, no, this is actually a beautiful, yep. beautiful thing yep. that these people have come and they've loved us in this way. And now I can relate and she can relate to all these other people that have gone through mental health stuff. And we can now support people in a completely different way now than, than we would have through going through that experience. And that, that comes down to, it was something as simple as, um, Luke picked me up from the airport yesterday, we went out for lunch and we almost got in a little squabble about who's going to pay for lunch. Right. And it turns into like, who, like, how am I ever going to repay you? Mm. And for your example, like what, what comes to mind is, you know, again, I don't know your wife. I've never met her or anything, but if I were in that situation, there's, there's two, two ways of looking at it. It's like, I don't know how I'm ever going to repay people for like their service to come and help us sure. when we need it. Yeah. But you don't know how many times you have paved the way or brought these people peace. Mm hmm and has developed that love for you to, to be able to be like, no, put their lives on hold to come and help you. Yeah. It's like their form of repaying you, even mm -hmm. though you haven't seen what you've done to these individuals sure. to kind of spark that initiative. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, you know, all three of us have a quite a deep desire and value of community and supporting one another and the, the value and being vulnerable um, which kind of leads me into like, you know, the talk that you've had of the future that you, you see and what you're passionate about moving forward mm. and kind of fostering that and, and providing for people. Um, what is that, what does the next five years ideally look like for you as far as, um, developing that more officially? Um, so for me, again, it's very much, <clears throat> um, I think what brings me joy, I, I'm very much like a creative person i like to kind of come up with an idea and execute it uh we just bought a new house so classic tradesperson i'm not happy with any of the finishes i want to do this i want to do an addition i want to build a shop i want to do all these things but like who has the time so my mind goes to okay how do i set it up where i can make an income i can be home on the weekends I can do the work that I want to do on my house, but I also has have time for my spouse. You're looking at all those things and you're like, there, there's no way. There's no way because your evenings and weekends got to go to doing all those things. So for me, it's looking into it. What are my strengths? I'm very good at being creative, storytelling, certain things. So I can use my Instagram platform to work with brands that I truly believe in, whether you want to call that as an influencer or whatever, mm -hmm. but there's brands like, uh, I'm not being paid to plug any brands or anything right now, but there are certain brands that like, like you had mentioned Tommy Hilfiger. If you could reach out to Tommy Hilfiger and say, Hey, I'd like to put together a video for you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and X, Y, and Z or whatever, develop a partnership. And here's what I need in return. And you look at that from a business standpoint, okay, if I was going to go trim out a house or finish a basement, I would make this much in profit. Mm. 
the marketing world has endless amounts of money. It's insane how much money is out there. And it's insane how much um, people seem to think like, oh, I need to use Instagram to like sell these phony or push certain products on it uh, onto their followers. Like that's not the case at all. You can do it in an honest way, in a real way. And you can do it in a way where you don't even need to post it to your own platform. You can, you know, again, given given the talent, uh, you can create these things for these companies that they can then put money behind and, and push on the back end, right? So to answer your question, um, the next five years is trying to figure out how I can generate an income and not necessarily be on the tools mm-hmm. unless I want to be. Um, I love to create, I love to storytell. So I'm now trying to get more into like a YouTube type um, system where I can document the build of of uh, transforming our new space because we have acreages and we have like, we have the opportunity to do that. Um, and I do have this kind of, I'm going to call it a small area of opportunity where I can I'm talented. I've got two different types of talents. I'm, I'm very talented in the finishing aspect of certain things. And I've got that background of like coming up with unique solutions for um, finish work. But then I'm also good at like, you know, having an eye for video and, and that sort of stuff. And then realizing what I'm not good at, maybe product photography or things like that, I can hire somebody to then help me do that. So I've now worked with a couple of different brands that are not are more lifestyle brands, but um, not so much trade brands, which again, figuring out what my profitability needs to be and then mirroring that into what sort of service I can offer these brands. I've kind of set up a separate business now um, where it's whether you want to call it influencer marketing or just even being able to put together like these little micro commercials for Brands like Toyota Canada, I was able to work with them to shoot a uh, a truck commercial, which is like super cool. But then again, you get into this thing where like I'm super proud of it. I want to post it on my social, and then people like don't really resonate with mm-hmm. it, right? Um, so yeah, the next five years for me again is change, but it's also accepting the fact that you don't need to like overload your plate. You don't need to be working twenty four seven. You just have to kind of figure things out and then try. So it seems like to a pretty significant degree, you're trying to structure your life in a way that's sustainable, that's healthy. And then also we talked before about trying to uh, encourage that amongst our community Mm -hmm. and provide assistance and help um, to people that are maybe struggling to find balance. Absolutely. And uh, that have dealt with anxiety and, and, uh, and stress that are trades people on you know either the stay at home side <clears throat> or the person that's on the tools yep. um, and what that looks like as far as giving support to that community like it's a, such a such a hugely relevant realm mm-hmm. um, that every trades people every trades person deals with uh, to some level and to try and really promote you know community and mental health and vulnerability um, I know it was something we had talked about that you were wanting to spearhead to some degree too yeah, so I think like <clears throat> obviously uh, mental health and men's mental health in particular, because I am a male, I don't know anything about female mental health. Um, I'm a tradesperson. I think it's super important to 
at least provide people an opportunity or, or a form of comfort for them to be able to express their stories. Um, so a lot of it is for me anyways, uh, you know, I've got tons of different ideas and, and how we navigate things, but, um, something that I've been working on in the back end of things is setting up a fund with cam H. <clears throat> so my hats, for example, the tree, I, I get a lot of comments about like, I love your logo, but like, what is it? You know? <clears throat> and I've had like hunters want to buy it. And for me, the tree symbolizes life. It symbolizes strength and it symbolizes a form of like hope. <clears throat> and that's what I want to be able to give to other people. So, you know, um, for me, when I made the hat, for example, that, you know, everybody else, I mean, you've seen in your videos and stuff like that. I don't try to sell them because eventually I want to get it to a place where I can any form of um, tree-related product that I sell will automatically just fund this camp. I'm not going to call it a campaign. We'll call it a fund mm -hmm. um, where we set up something where somebody who's struggling from a trades-related issue and whether that's, sorry, <clears throat> whether that's the individual themselves or somebody that's in, within their ecosystem. If they need access to counseling, if they need access to um, groceries, like just something where we can, I don't know how it works on the back end yet. Again, early adoption of an idea. Um, but if we could be a space where people that need the help, and I'm not talking about people that are like, addicted to drugs and they're just looking for, you know, like a space to kind of go, not, I shouldn't say just addicted to drugs or anything. That's a struggle in itself. I'm saying people that want to make a difference, that genuinely good people that need, that need help. They might be too yeah, proud to ask for it, but they just need a break. Mm -hmm. I want to be that break for them. And I want to give them the seed that they need to plant their own tree basically. Mm -hmm. And so you might see online <clears throat> some other people wearing my hat, but I don't ever plan on marketing them in a way that's like, oh, that's, that's a remarkable woodworks hat. I want the tree to be a symbol of strength and unity amongst tradespeople build a community. and build that community kind of silently mm. and then have some sort of platform to, to create awareness around the struggles of mental health in the trades and you don't have to be a man to participate in that you could be a spouse you could be a tradeswoman you could be mm -hmm. you could be anything um but i do definitely want to be you know when it's all said and done i want to be a part of the solution of breaking down those barriers sure. for other people yeah no that's awesome that's uh kind of gives the, the history of you know the journey that you've been on and the struggle that it is that you've experienced <clears throat> trying to structure your current situation and future in a way that's healthy and sustainable, um, embracing community to give yourself that support and be that support to other people mm -hmm. and then pay that forward in uh, developing a community that very intentionally offers support to people who need a break and uh, encourage good communication. That's uh, mm -hmm. that's super awesome. But I think there's a lot of times people, people come up with a certain 
um, vision of what a tradesperson is. And then they just, they label everyone. They think everybody is along those lines. But it's, there's so many of us, like you had just said, that are like, like like-minded individuals. But for whatever reason, we don't allow each other to get to know each other because we're not willing to break down that first barrier of, you know, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm a framer, but. I'm a framer, you know, and not not uh, labeling it as like what you do mm-hmm. is not who you are kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so. I know we're probably getting close to wrapping up, but I just had a couple burning questions. And so maybe it's like a lightning round where you just got to like. Okay. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Really quick. Toronto. Leafs. Are you a, are you a, a Leafs fan? No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Okay. That's fair. So my. Uh, I I think don't quote me on this. My grandmother's sister's son is Paul Coffey. No way. So he's like my third cousin. And you <laughs> do know where Paul Coffey just ended up? I don't. Just yesterday, day before, the new coach for the Edmonton Oilers, not head coach, but he is now really? actually yeah. So there's a new guy, and Paul Coffey is now like the defensive coach guy. So he is now working for those your your buddy cousin. Would you say he was? He's like my third. He's my. He's my mom's second cousin. So whatever that is to me, or maybe my mom's first cousin, I don't know. But a lot of our families, because I'm not like a big hockey person. Sure. But like a lot of our family's teams come from okay. wherever Paul played at that particular gotcha. point. In time. And isn't Crosby from uh, Ontario? Not even close. He's from Nova Scotia. He is from Nova Scotia. McDavid is from Ontario. Yes, he's, yes. he's a Toronto boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Raptors, are you a fan? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, it was wild to be the age that I was when they won the yes. the ship and and being able to kind of like witness that in the city. Um, it was super cool. Um, but in terms of sports, I'm like a huge football fan. I love American football. Okay. I love it, love it, love it. Okay, Drake? Big fan of Drake. Big fan of Drake. Okay, I wasn't Drake. sure because I know yeah. he's a, one of those Toronto dude guys. Not new Drake. New Drake is like... I don't know what he's trying to do. Like he needs to accept that he's getting older, but yeah, new Drake is weird. Drake. <laughs> okay. And so what's it like? Cause again, and, and why there's the Leafs fan. Cause it's funny because I know you're not a Leafs fan, but there's something about Toronto guys. Now I'm not trying to like say that, you know, I know exactly what you're saying, but there's something about Toronto, like in Canada. And I, I don't know, like, I almost feel like, I mean, this is great to actually know because I don't know if I actually really know any Toronto guys. So this is great because you seem like a pretty reasonable, great human being that I could become really good friends mm-hmm. with. But there's something about, I don't know, would you say Toronto? There's just like this arrogant air, like we're we're almost American, but we're not. But we, we you know, we're like right there. What's, what's the stigma Being there? a Leaf fan is the closest thing you can be to an American, in my opinion. Interesting. <laughs> They're just every year. There goes year. all of our Toronto <laughs> people watching. And like, American I listeners too. I didn't say a word about <laughs> anybody. <laughs> um, no, it's just there's an arrogance there. Every year they seem to think that they're they, like they're the center of the whole entire thing. Again, I'm not a hockey person. Yeah. Uh, I wish nothing, but I think it's a really cool thing to get to witness a Canadian team. And yeah. I, I love that about our country. Yeah. It's no matter what team you tr- you choose to go for, if a Canadian team is in it, 
you become a fan of that team. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and a fair enough. And I'm 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 all Oilers. I'm I, I love the Vancouver. Like again, if it's a Canadian team in the end, I, I will I will definitely you know cheer for absolutely a hundred percent sure. But the Toronto fans are the worst people on the earth, and I don't have a problem saying that <laughs> yeah. because I just whatever yeah. come at me. Yeah. In the comments, but it's <laughs> every year they they're ready to start the parade. Yeah. Every year it's it's amazing, and then every game that they lose, it's yeah. someone else's fault. Yeah. There's no accountability. They're ruthless with their players to yeah. a point where like, and the media is god awful. Yeah. And the players just don't want to be here. Yeah. Like they went after when Reimer was a goalie. They went after his wife mm. and like a it's whole true. bunch of threats and everything. Who in their right mind would want to play in that type of organization where the fan base is like threatening your family yep. because you let in a goal or like get out of here, man? Like, anyways, that's it's sports are great and I love it, but it's it's not. Um, it's, yeah, I don't no, know. I was just Toronto I was just curious, you know. I was I was just curious, you know. And again, love Toronto. I, some of our most amazing Canadians come from that place. Great. Musicians, it's Toronto. To, yeah, it's Toronto, it's not Toronto. So my brother owns a vehicle. It's a Toyota. Sorry, it's a Tundra. Who makes a Tundra? Toyota. You hear that? Yeah, he did say it weird. Toyota. What do you say? Toyota. 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 So you speak different. We we what? say Toyota toy. like a toy. Toyota. Toyota. You, you say like Toyota. Toyota. You said it earlier, and I'm like, Ty did you say? There's been Toyota? a few little things you've said. I'm like, did he? His slip his words a bit, or is that actually talks? There's a few. So it's a little bit of like the Eastern. the Eastern kind of yeah. thing going in there, like like car. Would you say that you're not? Hey, boy, yeah. <laughs> go down by the bay and see what happens there, boy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's no. interesting. So what is your what are your uh, in in ten seconds? What are your thoughts of BC? The first time being out west here. It, a ten out of ten. Recommend anybody on earth come sure. visit this place. It is like everywhere you look is a picture. Like walking up that mountain, I'm sure. I lost a lot of respect from Luke because I was like, I got, I just got to take a picture. I just got to take a video. No, I was just proud. Yeah. Like, yeah, you never yeah. take lots of pictures. It's the best place ever. I literally was like, I was saying it so many times. I was like, okay, this is going to be the last one. He's like, yeah, sure. And then my camera was like, nope, last one, battery dead. I was oh, like, and I just put a new battery in. So that'll tell you how much footage I got to go. And you said you grew up in the 80s? 86. I was born in 86. And you've mentioned a couple of times you MacGyvered something. Luke mm -hmm. and I both made eye contact. Mm -hmm. Did you watch MacGyver? My brother was born in 74. So, yes, we watched MacGyver a lot in the house. My oldest brother is like nine years older than I am. So, yeah. There's a lot of people watching and listening that will have no context for MacGyver. So, that's just sad. I gained a lot of respect because when I had said, I was like, I'm going to MacGyver, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, trying to figure out solutions to things and, and old tradespeople. I shouldn't say old, but like older tradespeople yeah. on Instagram are just like, do you even know how young, like how, what MacGyver means? I'm like, listen, I dress like I'm 22, but I'm a lot older than what I look, all right? <laughs> okay, that was all my questions. I just had to get That's those great. out. You know, I want to know what's funny though, is in the airport, I could tell who was going to BC and who wasn't because there's like a certain vibe that you guys <laughs> all have. Like, yep. That's a BC guy for sure. There's like a sway in your walk and like you've got this kind of like a super good looking, just like just rigid everything of, I want to yeah. be in a human being. That's what you guys <laughs> are. So well, on that note, um, we'll probably wrap it up here. Thanks so much for Anything. coming all the way thanks out here. That was a quite the flight. You know, you're getting back late when uh, you head back here. So thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. And uh, it was a pleasure spending the last uh whatever 20 hours with you. 
That's great. Thanks, Brad, for joining us. Thanks for watching and listening. Um, Have a great uh, flight home. And uh, endings are always the worst, eh? You have no idea what to say. Like, what do I do with my hands? I know. know? (laughs) Endings are like, you just, well, (laughs) do the dude perfect and do a, what do they do? A pound it and a hat throw. Yeah, it's really random. See you in the noggin, something or other. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. see you when I see you. Right on. Okay, thanks, everybody.